Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everyone. We are coming to you live from New York City as Good Morning uh, New York, show number 266, 266 show, gets underway on this Tuesday morning. Today on the show, Manhattan High and Real Estate showed new signs of cooling during the second quarter with secondary prices sliding and units staying on the market longer. This all according to new market reports released last week. Much of the market's underlying weakness was offset by a surge in closings for high-end properties due to the July 1st deadlines for new mansion tax mm-hmm. increases, as we keep talking about. So, had what an impact. An impact, absolutely. So, what are the projections for the rest of 2019? And as we head into another presidential election year in 2020, our special guest today, Diane Ramirez, chairman and CEO of Halstead Real Estate, is with us. And we will discuss. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I am Vince Rocco, and this is Good Morning New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, Christy Brinkley's historic waterfront Sag Harbor home has finally found a buyer. After a few years on the market, the former supermodel's home has sold for very close to its listing price of $17.99 million. Douglas Elliman had the listing. Brinkley purchased the home in 2004 for $7.15 million under a trust, and this according to Property Sharks Records. In October of 2010, Brinkley first listed the home for $15.75 million, but after a year on the market, she removed it. In January of 2017, she put the home back on the market for $25 million, but lowering the price to $17.99 million so she can close the deal. Despite that sale, the real estate rut has traveled east. The picture-perfect Hamptons, which has provided an oasis to many wealthy New Yorkers, is losing value. According to the latest market reports, home sales in the Hamptons have fallen 19.3% in the first quarter, and this has been the fifth consecutive quarter of falling numbers. The median sale price of a single-family home has fallen 7.9% to $860,000 between January and March of this year compared to the same period a year ago. The New York financial sector has been another contributor to the distressed housing market out east. The average annual bonus fell 17% from uh, 2017, according to estimates by the New York State Controller's Office. And the slowing market is also due to the inability of most to buy secondary homes. With the new Trump-era tax reform bill, the cap of a $10,000 deduction has hurt sales dramatically in all secondary markets. The New York City record for the highest price ever paid for a residential townhouse was sold by Philip Falcone recently for $80 million on the Upper East Side. The last record was broken in 2006 when financier J. Christopher Flowers paid $53 million for the Harkness Mansion. Falcone and his wife purchased this property in 2008 for $49 million. Since then, the property has gone under a renovation that expanded the townhouse to 30,000 square feet, which also added a swimming pool, a movie theater in the basement, etc. My God, can you imagine? (laughs) Yes, I can imagine. What everyone needs. What everyone needs, and for $80 million, of course. Casual. (laughs) Very casual. The townhouse was built in 1879. It was originally two separate buildings prior to that, uh, prior to um, the construction and the new ownership. The owner of the original house was uh, Penthouse Magazine, Bob Guccione. That that must have been something else with a pool in the basement and (laughs) that reputation. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Yes, I can. And who could forget Luis Ortiz? Uh, when he made life-changing decision to step away from real estate during the season five finale of Million Dollar Listing. 
fresh from sabbatical in Europe with the, and with a new outlook on life, <clears throat> on life, Ortiz has to prove, I'm losing my voice today. You're getting to choked prove, up about this, Vince. <laughs> no, it's, it's my voice. It's I know you care about Louise, but <laughs> bring it back a no, little. No, I'm sucking on a candle. It's not helping. <laughs> anyway, fresh from his sabbatical, he has to prove to his team and his peers that he is back in the real estate business for good. Not only will he have to deal with the workplace drama, but he also has to deal with drama in his personal life. After all, this time away, Ortiz is ready for his close-up again and ready to dig back into the real estate game. He is rocking an edgier look, not like anything we've ever seen him wear before. He joins, of course, returning agents Ryan Serhant and Fred Eklund and Steve Gold, as well as newbie from Triple Mint, Tyler Whitman, for the new season starting Thursday, October 1st at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, on the Bravo Network. So we're all looking forward to the new start of the season. <laughs> season whatever breath. it is. Holding my breath. Here we and go. you said you weren't doing any commercials today, Vince. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love you. It, it's news. It's news. What am I going to say? All right. Our special guest today is Diane Ramirez, and she is a greatly respected <laughs> leader, and she is the CEO and chairman of Halstead Real Estate, along with Clark Halstead. She founded Halstead in 1984 and has grown the company beyond original expectations of three storefront offices. And every time I read those original expectations, it's amazing where we are today. She is a member of the board at the State Depart Department of State, which was an appointment by the governor, by the way. At Revney, she is on the board of governors, uh, executive advisory board, and the board of directors of the residential division. The leading real estate uh, companies of the world recently presented Diane with their leadership award, Revney has bestowed on her its Leadership Award and its Henry Foster Award. Diane is involved in philanthropy both in and out of real estate, and we are happy to have her back on the show with us today. Thank you for coming, and welcome again. Thank you. I am thrilled. Love you know, being here. Thank you. You know, your resume is just so long and so many accolades. <laughs> I have to cut it back, and I always think, oh, my God, am I going to do her justice by reading oh, just a few little Oh, and I was falling asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. So yes. impressive. Oh, thank very, you. Very, very impressive. Anyway, you. so, you know, as I said at the top of the show, <clears throat> Manhattan high-end real estate showed new signs of cooling uh, for this uh, during the second quarter, with secondary prices sliding and units staying on the market longer. This according to all the market reports that came out over the last two weeks. In second quarter, the average resale apartment price fell 5% from the comparable quarter last year. Resale apartments sold in the second quarter, but they spent an average of 131 days on the market. That was 27% more than a year ago. So we're staying a lot longer on the marketplace before we get a deal and the highest level in seven years. During Q2, resale closings stagnated and sellers offered their biggest price discounts in nearly a decade, but more from sellers I think is, is needed on the price side. Manhattan cooperative prices averaged $1,337,000 falling 4% from a year ago, year to year quarter while three-bedroom apartments plunged 10%. Condominiums, on the other hand, were down 4%. Two-bedroom condo prices fell 10%. But there's a lot more inventory to come, so let's wait and see what's happening there. Much of the market's underlying weakness, though, uh, was offset by a surge in closings for new developments due to the July 1st deadline, as we talk about on the show, for the new mansion tax increases. They all had to be closed by June 30th, so there was a push to get things sold and closed before July 1st. So, Diane, my question to you is, you know, you, you um, hear all of this stuff and you're very connected in the industry. What are you hearing out there, you know, based on, you know, these statistics I just read? What do you project, uh, predict for the rest of 2019? And then we'll talk about what we think 2020 is going to be about. Well, I, I think um, what we're seeing <coughs> is what I'm predicting. Uh, there's just such incredible hesitancy 
Yeah. And the inventory is continuing to build. So it is, I think it's the strongest buyer's market I've seen in a while and Mm -hmm. the strongest buyers. They have the money. They just think if they wait a little bit longer that the prices may be going down and sellers are doing that prediction because they, if they're serious, they want to sell it. And every day more choice. So it's the hesitancy and the growing inventory. Uh, but then the buyers, when they see what they want, they're moving. Mm-hmm. And the exciting thing is, I I think we're finally understanding what that word value is. We've been talking about value, as long as it shows value. And I kept thinking but these prices are value. Maybe they'll go down a little bit, but they are value. But I think what I've finally realized, value is not just money. It is uniqueness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, is it a beautifully appointed apartment, one that people really would love, not just the owner? <laughs> is there is there something that, special? That's interesting. <laughs> is there a terrace? Is there a view? Mm-hmm. Is there something unique? So even though we've always focused on value price, we are in a value price market. You need a little bit more. And that's yeah. new to me. It's what we talked about, I think, last week Agreed. or the week before. Completely. You have to be compelling today. Exactly. You have to have something different today on the marketplace. You can't be mundane. You can't be the same. You know, I've said for years, inside and outside of real estate, unique sells. Yes. And unique always sells. I remember way back when you used to tell us in, in, in meetings, you know, about the value proposition. It was always value, value, right. value. And we had all kinds of systems to come up with the right numbers and stuff. Right. Still very important. But I think you're 100% correct. It's got to be compelling. It's got to be unique. And it has to kind of stand out. There are so many cookie cutter. There are so many new condo developments. There are so many, you Absolutely. know, resale uh, co-ops and, and pre-war buildings. Why are you different? I liked your comment, though. <laughs> Not only does the seller, you, know, you have to think that there's right. something compelling. They're not just because the sellers always think they have gold bars in their Exactly. In their and they don't. Right. How do you see um, the rest of 2019, you know, laying out? I mean, we're, we're sort of like in this quagmire at the moment. Oversupply of inventory prices are still adjusting in most cases. Where do you see us going between now and the end of the year? <clears throat> There's I, so many different predictions out there. I think it's the lower end market that's going to be our highlight. Uh, it's the mansion and transfer taxes really didn't impact that so much. They didn't need to rush to close July 1. So I think, and and there really is value out there. So I think with the interest rates, the choice they have, is it is the time for them to move forward. So I, I'm really looking at that under two under market two being our highlight, but will be exciting. Yeah, we're going to talk about the transfer tax situation in, in a minute, but I agree with that. You know, it's really interesting how the month of June was was bonanza in, in, in a lot of cases, and, and good for all of us, but, you know, at the end of the day, the residual effect of that is going to sort of, you know, start popping up. So, you know, I'm not quite sure where we're going between now and the end of the year, the next five, six months, but um, I think the lower end, because I, I recently sold two one bedrooms in, in, in a building in, in a matter of weeks from each other. And I have deluxe, beautiful two bedrooms that are just sitting there all over two five, two eight, two nine, three one, three four. 
you know, that's a, there's that's, not a lot of traffic there. Yes. That two to three market is really hurting because there's so it's, much supply and just yeah. not so the demand. So much supply. Yeah, there's a lot of supply. And, and I think I joked about it last week on the air. You know, somebody came in and uh, said, oh, and she just kind of sighed. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, uh Oh, I just saw six or seven, uh, you know, two-bedroom apartments, and they all look the same to me. So why is yours any different? Da, 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 da. <laughs> I Take said, events. "Well, you get me with this one." <laughs> she kind of laughed and cooled down and, and chilled a little bit, and you know, we went through the tour, and, and she loved it. But it's kind of like I got what you were saying. It's exactly what you just said a little yes. while ago, Diane. You know, what's so compelling about this? Why exactly. are you any different than the six or seven that I just was schlepped around with my broker? on a Sunday afternoon. Why are you so different? And right? what's the upside? Right. I think it's also what's, as agents, you know, as agents, we always get excited about listing apartments. Like sure. that's, obviously it's a high of ours, but lately I've been more excited to list lower end apartments to Diane's yeah, point. Exactly. I, I'm listing something tomorrow that's, you know, in the sixes, in the 600s, that's a condo, one bedroom. There's value there. That word value, I think, needs to be brought up more, especially yeah. with the buyer pool. It, it, the the younger buyer pool that's more of a first-time home buyer sees that value more, and they're going to be the first one to hop on that, I find. They are. All right, we got to leave it there. Come back after the break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Radio Network. We will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We are all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders, so you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We're back and we're here with Diane Ramirez, Chairman and CEO of Halstead uh, Real Estate, Matthew Cohen from Halstead, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, and Phil Horrigan from Freely and Leasebreak.com. Diane, so many many have asked about the recent change in leadership of the Revenue uh, Company of Real Estate Board of New York. John Banks is out as leader and Jim Whalen is in. Banks maintains the reason for his departure has nothing to do with the passage of the new rent law, widely viewed as a tremendous loss for the real estate industry. What are your thoughts on this as an influential leader in our industry, very influential at Revenue? What, what, what's the deal with this? I mean, uh, people were kind of taken by surprise, I think, by this. Yes, I actually um, was given the courtesy of knowing it before it was announced, um, which I was really honored about. I I like John very much. I I think he um, I think he's a very smart, good leader. I think he just there was just nothing that went his way, whether it was residential lobbying the change of the Senate and Assembly up in Albany Albany. was huge. We all knew that was going to be huge. So uh, my sense is you you have to love what you're doing. And I just didn't think he loved it anymore. And there were things more important in his life, like his family and his philanthropy. So I am so happy he followed his heart. Uh, If you're not happy, move on. Mm -hmm. And Jim Whalen, I I don't know him as well, uh, but I have worked with him, and he's um, he's very smart. He's been part of the industry. Uh, I think uh, he's a great lobbyist. I think he's going to be a fantastic new leader. With all that said, uh, what so what are what what do you think that are some of the major hot buttons or issues that Rebney is facing this year, going you know into next year with the change in Albany? With some of the laws that have changed here that directly affect, you know, the the agents here, yes. the the rental business here, what do you think some of the pressing issues are for them, or how are they going to get their their stuff done up where it counts up in Albany? Right, I mean, it's I, always a moving I, target. It is a moving target, and they they don't even know who to go to. I mean, leaders, you know, were would be able to speak to the governor. It's it's now being put off to the constituents, and um, so they have to figure it out. It's a it's a new day, and um, I don't think anyone knows the course yet. But they will figure it out. They're all smart. They're working together, and um, it they'll figure it out. But we've got we've got some tough days ahead. But one thing it's done, which is exciting. It's it's brought the the industry together. I I actually spoke at the rally we had down at City Hall. I yeah, think I there are a thousand that. agents <clears throat> yes, there. Yes, it was wonderful. It was so exciting to see the passion and excitement, and that is something we as an industry that needs to be just the start. And we we must we must be like a super PAC. We've got to speak out for ourselves. The lobbyists are up there. But we're the voters. We have to come together and let them know how we feel. I have to tell you something. I was there, and uh, I, I was so encouraged, and I was so excited uh, to was. see the crowds. And some people were chanting, let them in, because there were so many yes. people, they couldn't get everybody in yes. fast enough, uh, or for whatever their reasons were. But it was encouraging to see our industry stand up for our rights 
and exactly. for what we think is right. And, you know, to, to march on City Hall, I thought it was wonderful. It, it was, was a wonderful day. Let's see how that affects the change. it needs to be just the start. It needs to be just the start. Well, yes. I have a sneaky feeling it's going to be just the start because, you know, you get agents in a situation like that and they feel invigorated and they feel yes. like they're making a difference. Yes. Uh, as I felt myself, and I've been around for a while, but you know, it was really, it was something to experience. I had never done that before, uh, and I thought it was well worth it. And you know, my fingers are crossed to see what they yes. do with the decisions on the on the uh, the commission. We're talking about the commission uh, situation on the rental side and how yes. they want to curb that to one month if you're representing the landlord. So there are so many different little pieces that surround that. Yes. Let's see where we go with that. Yes. It's be I'm optimistic. Are you optimistic? Yes, I am. Yeah, I asked Richard that the other day, and he said the same thing. He feels like he's pretty optimistic right. that it's going to go in the right direction. Hopefully it does. Yes. Anyway, we'll see. Sales activity throughout the city was usually brisk and was unusually brisk in June, as we've talked about before, despite a continuing luxury market slowdown. Deep-pocketed buyers hurried to close on sales contracts to avoid paying New York's higher mansion tax, which took effect on July 1st. The tax in place for three decades had been 1% on home sales of a million dollars or more. It now rises incrementally with purchase prices up to 3.9% uh, on sales of 25 million or more. For example, Jeff Bezos, as we keep talking about, uh, just bought uh, an 80 something million dollar per, uh, uh, townhouse or, or, or a penthouse. He paid $800,000 in mansion tax. It would have been $3.12. million. That's a shocking difference. He could afford it, but still. Right. Yeah. Which, which by, by one day, you think yeah. he, he you know, closed just in the nick of time, and he saved himself you know, double the price, three times the price. Which, by the way, he bought the penthouse in our good friend Nikki Field's Nikki Field. project. Right. Congrats okay. to her. It's 100% sold as of yesterday. Oh, so wow. I just want to congratulate her. It's That's 100% sold. Yeah. Shout out She's to Nikki amazing. Field. We love yeah. Nikki Field. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, have you seen in our company in Halstead uh, a lot of closings happen in June because of this? Or, you know, as all these market reports are reporting? Yes. every Everything that could possibly close Did. was closed. And sadly... Some that couldn't, uh, you know, fell apart because they yeah. just could not um, spend that extra money just because of a date. Yeah. Uh, but we're also seeing uh, brokers trying to help out. And I think the smart sellers will understand, it, especially short term, they have to take that pain away from the buyers completely. So I think I think we're <clears> going to be seeing uh, some negotiation and just to make it palatable. It really, like you said, the difference is huge. Mm, and is. that's why I think that lower end market will be our strongest because that it's really not impacting them greatly. I'm already seeing that. Yes. And I 100% and I agree with you. I was talking to uh, Steve Kligerman, who's the, the head of uh, the Halstead uh, Development Division and yesterday, and we were talking about the impact, potential impact of, you know, the mansion tax increases, the transfer tax changes, and in a lot of cases, especially on the Upper East Side, we had tremendous New York State residential real estate tax increases in the beginning of this year. That's I mean, to right. the point where they were almost doubled in one of the buildings that I'm working in. And so, you know, you lay out all of these taxes, and, you know, people get angst when you just hear the word tax, whether it's personal tax or, or, or whatever. It's kind of like I want to I ask, how much can people absorb? You know, and it's not only just a matter of the purchase price. We can adjust that. We can adjust that as we go along. But these taxes, we really don't have too much say in that. No, and the, I think the saddest part of it is we as 
as real estate professionals, we always played the tax is, but it's deductible. Mm. I mean, I you know we're in other states. I see New Jersey, Connecticut, and you mind. know taxes mm. of sixty thousand and a hundred and twenty thousand. And mm. the agent would always say, "Oh, but it's deductible." And you'd say, "Oh, that's right." And now, here we're getting all these taxes, and we lost that deductible. You know, you know, great ace in the hole card we used to have. It's um, that it's, was always in my in my beyond a double whammy. Yeah, when they said, "Oh, but the taxes," you'd always say, "But it's deductible." Absolutely. And we have no ace in the hole anymore. It's just money out of the pocket. Yeah, and you know, well, I think a lot of us agree, and we we kind of talk about this on a weekly basis here. I think we as agents have learned to do our jobs differently. Because oh, we yeah. have to. You have to. And we, our expectations are changing and need to as our sellers and buyers' expectations are changing. That, to me, is a good thing. Yes. Because I think that keeps us from getting stale in, in what we do. You know, it's not the easiest, you know, job to have sometimes. Uh, but I think, you know, all of us, all, all of our expectations are changing with these new laws and these new rules and, and the new ways that we have to um, continue to do our business. It's just, you know, I think a lot of us are impatient that we want it all, you know, to change, to settle the dust, of, to settle down, and let's all right now get back to business under the new rules, but right. let's just get back to business. It's not happening so quickly, but we're getting there, I think, slowly but surely. I And I said this, I think, last week. I still remain optimistic. I mean, we're approaching an, another presidential election year next year, so actually, you know, a little more than a year away. And, you know, typically in this town, at least in my experiences, uh, election year, presidential election years have a big um impact on our business, regardless of what party you belong to, what your candidate of choice is, it's always impactful. So going into this next year, I think the fear is that we're going to be sort of in a standstill mode continuing because now we're getting out of this or still in this little quagmire that we've been in. Now we're going into what has historically been sort of a slow period. What do you think is going to transpire in, in in 2020? How do you think that's going to affect all of this going forward? Well, I think it, we're going to have the ongoing hesitancy okay. I, I, and, and, and values happening. I think sellers are really getting it and they're going to have to get it more. And, and the hesitancy will remain. But the bottom line is they're buying their home. So it's not like it's an investment purchase that you say, well, I, I just won't. And how long can you step back from buying your home and moving on with your life? Mm-hmm. So I think the hesitancy, the choice will be there to sound like positive words, but two words I don't like at all when it comes to real estate, hesitancy and choice. Oh, <laughs> it's a killer. <laughs> oh. Yes, so, it is. So I, th- I think we're going to see it, but I think there's going to be incredible value purchases. I think it's... I really think we're we're at the bottom. I think I do too. I do too. And I think it's anyone that buys now, it's <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's been confirmed. At least three. I I I think it's the time to buy. I I totally agree. And I think ending this segment on um, what we talked about earlier, <clears throat> compelling, unique. This is what sells. That's the new value add. That's what buyers out there are looking for. Right. You got to make a difference. And so sellers out there listening. You know, when your agents tell you you've got to do certain things to make your apartment look like it's different than the rest, 
Right. Uh, you got to listen. You have to listen. I, Vince, if I may, just to just piggyback on what you just said, Diane, there is a very important point, and that is that people's real lives are still happening. I'm working with buyers who they have to move because their children's Absolutely. school is inconvenient. Um, they're expanding their Absolutely. family. Life is still going to happen, and those people are buying, and they're buying at different price points. So we need to be out there encouraging, educating them, and making them aware there of these are, value there opportunities. There are always those buyers that, for, for compelling reasons, have to buy, Correct. need to buy, whatever, because they're moving Regardless in. Regardless of the market. Right. Absolutely, and those are the ones we want to focus on, plus, you know, turning everybody else around. But anyway, we're live from Smash Studios here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We will come back on the other side of the break. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back, and Diane Ramirez is here with us from Halstead, Matthew Cohen from Halstead, Tracy Hammersley, Douglas Elliman, and Phil Horrigan from Freely and LeaseBreak.com. All right, so a new neighborhood, Hudson Yards. Uh, builds itself as the New York neighborhood of tomorrow, okay? And while that's meant to evoke visions of a high-tech city onto itself, the truth of it is, among many other truths of the area, that is uh, a city of tomorrow, uh, that it is a city of tomorrow, not just in the ways that you might think. The West Side neighborhood will be a hotbed of construction for at least the next half decade, a thorn in the side of all those who might want to live, work, and eat in the area. Whopping 98% of listings in the neighborhood are within 525 feet of those buildings. I didn't know that. That was something I learned this week, uh, or roughly one city block. Uh, And it's all under construction. Uh, About one in four condos are within 160 feet or the width of a football field. So, you know, we all, you know, have been to the openings of of Hudson Yards and we've all, you know, looked at everything and have heard about it and shown uh, there many times before the actual opening. Why is that neighborhood so hot? What, I mean, what is going on with Hudson Yards? I have one one theory I have. There's a lot of theories and a lot of things you could say, but people have wanted to live around the Penn Station area for reasons of just convenience to work. I mean, that's but, right here out the door. Right, yeah. but you, they really, you really don't want to live around Penn Station. No. Right? That, 
But now there's this place a little further away that's convenient. It's central. And it's got brand new buildings. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's brand new. That that I think they're going to get a lot of people to live over there. I well, think be a problem. I, I, I think Hudson Yards is a great success for a million reasons, but um, a big one is that, so before I made the awesome jump to Hall said that, you know, I, I worked for Related, I worked at Core, and I think, and I was selling a project that was right nearby. And one of the great things about Related is they really think about their projects. They, they take 10 to 20 years to think out these developments. I mean, look at Columbus Circle and Time Warner Center. Before Time Warner Incredible. was there, Incredible. there was nothing there. So, you know, Hudson Yards is this epicenter, and I almost think about Hudson Yards as Long Island City, where Long Island City, you're missing all the retail. You have all these apartment buildings, and there's no retail. There's no you know neighborhoodiness to it. Hudson Yards has almost more retail than it does residential. They, they built a neighborhood. How incredible is that? And I think that everyone always likes to be in something that is the new thing. And I also think that people love being near water. And believe it or not, Hudson Yards, even though you have all the train tracks, it is very close to the Hudson. Mm -hmm. And especially with the High Line that wrapping around now, it's an amazing neighborhood. It really is. And Matt and I went to the opening a couple of months back. And Impressive. of course, we went through the mall and all the shopping stores. <laughs> and, you know, wow. Right. So, you know, it, it, it attracts a lot of people. It's a tourist destination with the vessel, well, the which vessel is very is special. Big, yeah, well, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. It's I don't a, get that. You don't but love it? I, no, I, I, not that I don't love it. I just, I, I don't you get it. You pay to go. <laughs> it's yeah, also something retail-wise that I think we haven't seen seen in a long time in in New York, which is it's not just high end. It's not just low end. You have a real mix. I mean, you have, you know, yes, the um, what do you call it? The the Saks that's there. Is it Saks? Right. Sachs, the yeah. new Saks that's there is obviously very expensive. But then you have H&M, H &M. like right mm -hmm. next door. Yeah. You know, it's it's a little bit of everything for people. Yeah, and, yeah. Nice. Yeah. and now being a soul cycle addict, they just opened the first soul cycle in Hudson Yards a few days ago. And <laughs> were you there they, for that opening too? <laughs> I actually didn't go. I had plans. And, but, and Equinox is there. As and well. yeah, so they uh -huh. just opened Equinox. Hotel, yeah. which is really brilliant. Yeah. It's it's like the Soho House of Equinox uh, of Hudson Yards. It's CNN, amazing. The CNN network moved there. They left. Yes, they from left, Time Warner. They yeah, they're all established Warner, and they're in all Hudson Yards. Now they're all yes. at Hudson Yards. So yeah, you know, just quickly before we move on, I go back to so you know for the next five years they claim it's going to be completely under construction. Why would anybody want to kind of put themselves in that abyss? I I don't get it. I. I I, I think it's a destination. This I'm a I'm a New Yorker through and through. I I don't want to be in the Disney World spot of New York. I want I want the convenience. I want to be able to get to everywhere I want to get to easily. Mm -hmm. That is a destination. Having the seven line is to me it's what huge. made it oh, made 100%. it all come together. Yeah. I think from the people I know that are interested and in buying there. It's because they want a mini New York. They want all the excitement. They want the entertainment. They want the shopping. But they don't need to be all over the city. So they have their little Disney World of New York in this incredible destination. Yes, they absolutely do. I think to Diane's point earlier, too, that right now we're seeing the smartest buyers we ha ever have. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, people who are buying in Hudson Yards are very smart. They don't just have a five-year plan. They see the future. They see long-term. And if you think about the long-term of all the construction there, I think in 10 years, it's going to be a major epicenter, even bigger than it is right now. And, and yes. bigger than Time Warner. I, I totally agree yeah. with that. Yeah. You know, again, <clears throat> if you want to be a pioneer, that's great. But if you wait, you know, four, five, six years out, 
when it will become what it's supposed to become. We'll see what it is. The city of tomorrow. So last point on this topic, what is next? What What is around to be next? I mean, I think we've tapped every bad neighborhood, good neighborhood, in-between neighborhood. I mean, what's next? East Harlem. <laughs> East Harlem? Harlem it's but it's already it's, it's, it had, Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's already yeah. it's, it's, you think bubbling. It's, it's bubbling. You it's do? Been, it's, it's bubbling, bubbling forever. Why do you love well, East Harlem, though? No, Bill? I'm just saying, no, because I, I feel like every neighborhood's had this, like, moment where they really took off, but mm-hmm. East Harlem never quite... It they did, it they did just have a rezoning, so... Yeah, it, it has had go. a rezoning. And, there we go. and Costco's there. Yeah. Which is oh, huge. Yeah, yeah that's right. huge. Costco yes. is there. Soul cycle, I'll, maybe. Hey, not maybe. Ready. Yeah, yeah, no, no, exactly. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I live in Nomad, um, quote unquote. And I, I actually think Nomad is going to be the next I love very Nomad. big I agree with you, epicenter. I think, um, I think every neighborhood now has its thing. You're, you're or most neighborhoods. Yeah, um, I totally there's agree. Hudson Yards in West Chelsea. Um, you know, Essex Crossing in the Lower East Side, mm-hmm. um, the Upper West has Time Warner. I think that n- if you go to Nomad these days and walk around, there are so many buildings being built. Talk about construction. Yep. You know, tons of condo buildings, tons of hotels the actually Virgin Hotel, being built the first Virgin Hotel because there. there's very be low um, air right control. And so I think it has the ability to be a major um, new neighborhood that really sticks. I, I mean, I, 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 it sort of is already, but I think you're right. It's going to, there's a lot more room for improvement and a lot more room to, to kind of grow. But I mean, I already like, you know, Nomad. Jeff Bezos, Bezos um, invested yeah. in there, you know. Yeah. Well, I that mean, building is spectacular. I look it into is. his penthouse, by the way, if you ever want info. <laughs> I can see directly into his three floors from my apartment. I'm so excited I for Nikki Theo, though. I can't believe they are 100% old. They are 100% old. She's, I sent her congrats. I think she's amazing. I didn't see that. I didn't read that. So I will definitely do the same And I think Upper East Side's coming back. <laughs> Look, why, not? why not? Why not? What part specifically, it Diane? It is. Well, all it of is. it. With the Q line, the, the Q second avenue. Yeah. Well, that made a huge I work over there yeah. on 61st and 2nd Avenue. I used to live on 72 and 2nd. And I went west because I couldn't deal with the, the train system sure. to lack up. The 2nd Avenue subway killed it. It did. In a it, good way. In, <laughs> no. Well, the end result was a good way. Yeah. But it, a lot of businesses shut down. Yeah, a lot, lot of, of businesses well, shut vibe. Yeah. It, you yeah, know, yeah, the yeah. dirt, the yeah. inconvenience. It killed it and it's coming back. But I feel it's like you're coming seeing back big time because it was a disastrous mess. Yes. It was yes. horrible. Well, a lot of the, there's less empty retail in the Upper East than even, say, the Upper West now, I right. feel. So, like, That's that right. is coming back. I Absolutely. work over there almost every day on 61st, as I said, and I got to tell you something, it's not like I remember. It's so convenient to get anywhere from mm-hmm. the, you jump on that train, I'm in Union Square, and I'm Wherever you want to be. Wherever you want to be. All right, here's a controversial one, because Phil, Phil Horgan is here today, so I... I <laughs> Look out. I, I, oh, I, I, I He's got his helmet. I purposely wrote this one. So, a community board last week approved a plan to build a new protected bike lane a- along Central Park West. Now, I'm, I'm out of my shoes. Over Amazing. Mm-hmm. No, I'm out of my shoes. About <laughs> one year ago, a cyclist was killed by a truck there. So as oh. w- the West Side RAG reported, Manhattan's uh, Community Board 7 voted in favor of the city's plan, which consists of a northbound protected lane from 59th Street to 110th Street. Okay, this is really wow. long. Ahead of the bike lane's construction, 400 parking spaces will be eliminated on Central Park West. To me, this is outrageous, a shame, and a continuation of the mayor's office to deface our beautiful city and to clog more traffic than than here, alleviate here. more traffic. I mean, you know, first of all, you're it's on terrible. Fifth, you're on Fifth Avenue, and you're looking out of some of these wonderful, wonderful Fifth Avenue iconic buildings. And what do you see on the street? Bikes lined up in a row. Yes. Now they want to do it on Central Park West. 
It's not I have it outside my building, uh, well, one block away on West End Avenue where I live. It's kind of like, you know what? No, I don't want to look at that. First of all, I don't understand the Central Park West thing because there is a bike lane there already. So I'm not really sure what they're referring well, to. Well, they're 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 making it larger. I maybe mean, the larger, maybe the other, maybe is that the issue because it's too skinny. It is pretty skinny. They're actually. making it. Well, they're actually taking away parking, the whole parking lane. But what do you like about cars so much? Like, yeah, I agree. Four hundred park. I mean, if you Listen, asked me, like, okay, Vince, if you had a, your choice, no cars in the city at all, only bikes, or only cars and no bikes. I would choose only bikes. If I didn't want any cards like, in the city, I'd go to Fire Island, where I'm, when I, where I'm walking on, on the boardwalk. Which, is, and which is incredible. Yeah, you're forgetting that you're talking to Vince, who doesn't take the subway often, so he would choose no, but, cars. No, but here's the thing. You know, I think the whole the business plan in the beginning was probably right, and I think the thought trying to alleviate some traffic of people who live in the city by only having the people who don't live in the city driving in and out. So they wanted to, you know, encourage more bike use. Well, it didn't turn out that way because there are people who like to ride bikes, but there are people who don't want to ride bikes. So at the end of the day, you add all these bike lanes all over the place. And certainly coming down Broadway in some some spots, you're narrowing down to one or two lanes right through Times Square. I mean, where on earth does that make sense? All for the love of bikes? But I think yeah. Phil's right. I mean, as as a millennial cyclist, um, I I like to I cycle think, in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I do think that if you're nervous about the beauty of this city, I think that first of all, bikes are much more beautiful than cars are, and and this is coming. I'm a major car fan, so the that's one. I also think if you walk around well. the West, like walk around the West Village or Greenwich Village, sometimes the number of streets that are now just one side parking and the other side is a full bike lane or even just blocked off it's so much prettier and and soothing i don't know i mean i I know it's a hard thing for people who commute and also people who need cars in the city to commute out even but Mm -hmm. it does make it a little prettier at times have you ever biked in the city yes yes how how long ago Last summer, one hundred twelve oh. years ago. Well, I was going to say because it, it's, no, no, no. Yeah. But but see, but my my last point on this, my yeah. last point. You go on, but my last point <laughs> is, if you're going to bike, you have two lovely parks to bike in, right? You're not interfering. The mayor of this town closed all vehicular traffic inside of Central Park what a year ago, so he can give all the freedom to the bikers, the skaters, the runners, the this, the that, the dog walking. A situation. Amazing how so, we coexisted in harmony for so many years, and yeah. now it takes this. I'm I'm afraid it's adding unnecessary congestion to the city. Sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't, I don't well, I will say that if you look, use Google to get from place to place, taking a bike is almost always faster. Like it tells you how how much oh, time. 100. No, but what's so what I'm saying is like it's sort of revolutionized. Like since since I started doing it, the reason why I asked if you've ever done it is because <clears> most people I know that have done it. I don't like it, to do it. They haven't gone back. <laughs> I find it unsafe. It's, then we aside, have our friend Sean who aside, had his hand broken by cycling the in the city. Issue, it's more environmentally friendly. Yeah, it's better. It's great exercise. Yeah. you see the city in a different way. Like um, yes, you do. I take the you know the path along the West Side Highway uh, often. It's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. But that's my point. Take the path along the West Side Highway. Don't be on the streets. Well, they they. But like I said, it, you can get from place to place a lot faster. You know? I, it's it, but you know the big thing to me is safe. Yeah, I mm-hmm. see. The city bike riders who are, yeah, they... No helmet. No helmet. They're not all you've And they're either struggling or they're going way too fast. 
they're they're turning like they're a car and they're not a car. I am no longer worried about being hit by a car. Mm-hmm. I am worried about getting hit by a bike. Absolutely. Getting out of a cab. Just you know, I'm Absolutely. a great jaywalker because you know you got you got to get there <laughs> as the quick as you can. Exactly. I don't worry about the cars. I'm like a crazy woman looking for the bike that's going mm-hmm. to kill me. I totally agree with that. That's, I that's, but that's my no, point. But, it's but, make but them have licenses. That, Do something. Exactly. That something could be regulated. But that could be addressed another way aside Driver's from. Ed. Remember driver's this, ed. Yes. This wants <laughs> to get rid of the bikes. But we can address Diane's point in, in a different way. I agree. There should be licenses, more 30 rules, seconds, we've got to wrap that it up. kind of thing. I think we should all just wear helmets all the time. <laughs> I like wearing it's, hats way, anyway. Hat. So. They, it by, it by, would by, help by, in the subway. Absolutely help in the subway. I bring it up to tease him because he knows I, I really have a thing about the bikes. But that this is to be continued. We are live from Smash Studios here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We're coming back after these messages for segment four. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders, so you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. And so I have a question about tax abatements, okay? It's on everybody's mind these days because tax abatements, for the most part, 
uh, are expiring in a lot of buildings that you know were brand new 10 years ago. My own uh, condo this month, yay. There you go. <laughs> so these are uh, breaks or concessions on a building uh, or unit's property taxes for those out there in the listening world who don't understand. One of the most common is the 421A. Uh, given to new condominium developments in exchange for providing a certain amount of affordable housing units. That's one way to do it. In some cases, the reductions in your tax uh, tax commitment are limited to a specified number of years, anywhere from 7 to 25, the higher end more out in the boroughs than here in Manhattan. Uh, And they phase out over time. So, and they incrementally increase about 20% uh, every two years for 421As. By the end, you have to pay the full amount. So, you know, the question here is, and, and I'm dealing with it in one of the buildings that I'm, I'm specialist in because <coughs> they're uh, expiring in 2020, so in less than a year. Mm-hmm. What are people thinking about, and do you think it's an impetus for people to start considering maybe selling and pushing? I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's going to be pushing potentially the market forward with people wanting to sell because, A, they can't afford the, the full, full uh, tax amount, or B, they just want to move on to do something else. It's a good incentive, I think, for sellers to say, hey, it's been 10 years. Maybe it's time to move, if they haven't already. I think that, so just like you are, I'm a, I'm a specialist in a building up in Harlem that's arguably the tallest high-rise up there. And that actually had a 25-year 421A. So that's over in 2035, which yeah. is amazing. Um, and I, how it's affected at least my business in that building is that I haven't had as many sales in the building. Like not as many people are selling because they know what a great deal they have. Like why move um, if your monthlies are so low, especially when all the other inventory out there is so high. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about Hudson Yards. Hudson Yards has an incredible abatement, but if you actually look at those monthlies, it's amazing how high they still are, even yeah. with the abatement. Well, so that that's that makes me extra nervous about where it's going to go. But I think that people... In the past, when abatement was ending, like Tracy's, I think that people have sold. And now, you know, if those people don't have to sell, quote unquote, I don't think they are because they know that the market's not great. I think that in the past, they would have sold, you know, to make their profit move on. You know, their taxes are now high. Let's do the next thing. But with almost no abatements to choose from now and the market being soft, I don't think you're going to see that movement out. As much. And if you really couldn't afford it or felt at the end you couldn't afford it, the time to do it is halfway through, not when you get to the end. Correct. Correct. Because then people aren't focused on it. Correct. I think if you waited till the full, you you know, you're you're gonna hit a wall on it. So the five, seven year itch usually exactly. when people wanna move around and, and exactly. they still have the, that the good news about that is you still have that abatement that you can pass on to your buyer. Precisely. So that's an incentive and that's what I'm gonna miss out there in the world. When I was selling, you know, a lot of units in, in the building that I represent, it's kinda like you can that you use that as part of your sales uh, you know, toolkit. Yes. Hey, you buy this apartment, you get four more years or five mm-hmm. more years of, of tax abatement. You can't get that anywhere else in an right. established building. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Anyway, we'll see what happens there. But like I said, most of them are expiring over this year and next. So the next one uh, I want to just quickly chat about is uh, contingencies. I want to ask you all out there with your buyers, are we seeing any problems with mortgage contingencies, with funding contingencies, or things appraising today at, under, or, you know, whatever? I actually had one not too long ago uh, appraised over. By $10,000, which I thought was a real... Real anomaly. Absolutely. You know, you can't write this stuff, but I mean, you know, 
Your well, buyers were feeling very nice. Yeah, exactly. But I did. But I haven't seen it personally. Haven't seen anything come in under yet. And I know that's about, you know, probably fifty-fifty out there today. What are you all seeing? I've had a few that came under, and um, in one case, on my team, he lost the deal because they couldn't work it out between the buyer and the seller. Yeah. And another, we were able to negotiate it. But um, yeah, no, there's. Uh, it, it's it's interesting that. I haven't seen that in a while, and I think now we might see a small return to the appraisal contingency Tracy, as well. in your opinion, was that because the, the value was a little bit high? Like, I'm just curious. No, it was an absolutely, it was an, and it was an appraiser that I, I talked about it before that I loved and trusted. It worked with many, many occasions, very happy about, and it was just, there had not been an apartment like the specific, mm-hmm. it was a, a small um, apartment, hadn't traded one like that in years. And so he was just kind of going, I'm out there on the streets with the buyers. They knew they got a great deal. We couldn't find anything that would give them right. everything that it was. So, you know, we were able to work it out. But yeah, no, it was um, just a lack of actual tangible comps to support. All of my, I, I just like we were saying, I was shocked by how busy I was in June and, and a lot of buyers. And we, on every single one of them, we kept their mortgage contingency. There wasn't even a question about it. Like no pushback from the seller or the seller's broker. Um, actually, I'm I'm currently in talks with uh, one of someone that I love at Cork and Sunshine, and uh, she when I when I was trying to discuss with her the initial offer because I wanted to talk to her before we made the offer. Um, I said to her, I "Was like, do you think that the sponsor will be okay? That you know we're trying to keep our finance contingency?" And she was like. The sponsor fully expects you to keep it, so don't even let it go. Like it's such At a these rates, amazing who world. Wouldn't do it. It's amazing. I don't care how wealthy you are, this is free money. Oh and, yeah, and that's huge. That a new development is allowing financing contingencies. I've actually not really experienced that before. That's uh, great. We, yeah. we, we are the one I'm working, and we are also. Wow. I mean, you, you, you really don't have a with, choice with anymore. A, with the yeah. limited, they provide the banks that have approved the building. You have right. to get pre-approved with one of those. I lenders. just think it's yeah. okay. I don't think it's as much of a risk well, as mm-hmm. it's just not as much of a risk as we used to put emphasis on it about. Like, I think that there are other things that are much greater these days, especially if you can keep that contingency to 30 days. Like, sure. I, I don't think yes. it's that crazy. <laughs> Mic drop. Sorry. No, like, <laughs> no I'm, I, I am a little shocked because that was always the thing, no matter what the market was, you could negotiate so many things, but yeah. it was still very firm that you had to waive the financing contingency. That's really a revelation. Thanks, Matt. All right. Well, we'll... we'll, we'll <laughs> On that note, now it is you're, the right you're, you're so welcome. <laughs> all right, listen, we'll end on this one. Douglas yeah, Elliman yeah. Brokers, Fred Eklund, John Gomes, and Alex Moroni, all big guys that we know and love, hosted a barbecue recently at one of their new developments, Five River Park in Cobble Hill, to celebrate World Pride. The event featured bites by Izzy's Smokehouse, ice cream uh, from a- uh, Ample Hills, I never heard of them, and a performance by a so drag shit. queen, uh, yeah, Jasmine Rice. So my question <laughs> What a is, great name. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I I remember the days from RuPaul. Sorry, big fan. (laughs) I remember the days when, you know, shock, shock, jock marketing and and we we got in trouble for being too sexual and ads and stuff. You have to be careful, pull back, whatever. New developments got in trouble, whatever. Resales got in trouble. So my question is, how do you think the the drag queen did in in this this particular uh, situation? I, you know. (laughs) Did they get any offers of, of sales uh, on the moment at the moment uh, during their party? I don't know. I'll tell you more than anything, you know, just like we talk about value in an apartment, having something different, you have to bring something different to a, anything you're selling, whether Compelling. it's a listing or especially with a new development. And that actually, that credit should go to this guy named Jonathan Landau, who funny enough, I went to college with who works for um, a marketing and advertising firm that works with the biggest new developments. And he gave John and Frederick that idea 
to have a pride oriented event. And it, it was, I heard that it was spectacular and it was majorly and applaud diversity. I think it's great. I think it's great. I do too. I've only seen the pictures. I didn't go. But anyway, we're so out of time. That's it for this morning. Thank you to Diana <laughs> Ramirez <laughs> for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule. We greatly Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. You can follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, or Instagram at Vince Rocco. Earl Nightingale says, all you need is the plan, the roadmap, and the courage to press on to your destinations. Norman Vincent Peale, my favorite, says, shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. Be kind to one another. And for all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us. And we will see you next time. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.